look at one verse, one verse as we begin uh, tonight. have a long ways to go and a short time to get there. I'm going to preach a 45-minute sermon in a 35-minute zone tonight. Acts chapter 12, uh, verse number 5, the Bible says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. <clears throat> if you remember the text, they'd already killed James. They intended to kill Peter. He's in prison. I've underlined the next two words in my Bible. I want you to see them. But prayer. But prayer. Do you see it? But prayer. I preached tonight on this subject when we need God to do something big. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray and a great hunger and need tonight that you would fill me with your spirit. Oh, how we need to see our condition and how we need to understand that you are the answer. I pray that you would help me to accomplish your will for the hour. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Throughout the word of God, God's people found themselves in grave dangers and sometimes what seemed to be the verge of extinction of a race of people. Sometimes it was an individual or it was a family. Noah faced the coming judgment of the Lord when the entire population of the world would be destroyed by a flood. Jeremiah found himself locked in the dungeon, in the prison all alone. David found himself hidden in caves running from Saul who sought to kill young David. Sometimes it's a large number of people fleeing a cruel master. Sometimes it was a nation. Sometimes it was the disciples or people of God or it was the church of the New Testament. And our passage of scripture there was a hatred of God's preachers, a hatred of God's gospel being preached. They had killed James. They were ready to kill Peter and stop the work of the church, but prayer. In every case, you will find someone or a group of a righteous remnant of people calling on God to do something big on their behalf. The children of Israel at the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army closing in. Think with me. The army of Pharaoh is closing in. The children of Israel have before them the Red Sea. Moses calls out to God and then Moses delivers this message to the people. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today for the Egyptians whom you have seen today ye shall see them again no more forever God delivered them from Pharaoh's army because Moses went to God in prayer I think of Samuel the prophet and how the Bible tells us that he grieved and he wept through the night because Saul and his sin against God and because of his sin he had been rejected as a king. Samuel was heartbroken. He did not just weep through the night. He prayed through the night. And in the morning, God told Samuel 
I want you to get up. I want you to go to the house of Jesse. He said, I have provided for me a king. I think of Ezekiel when he faces a valley of dry bones. You talk about a big deal. At Ezekiel chapter 37, the Bible says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? You understand that's an impossibility. Life has already come and gone. Not only has death taken their life, their flesh is gone and the valley is simply filled with dry bones. And I love Ezekiel's answer. He didn't say, I don't know. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He said this, And I answered, O Lord God, Thou knowest. God was the answer. Do you see Ezekiel's faith in God? He knew that God had taken him to that valley for a reason and asked him the question, uh, uh, asked him the question, can these bones live? What a challenge of faith. And he said, Lord, thou knowest. Daniel finds himself with a group of captives in the land of Babylon. Their homeland has been ransacked and has been broken down. They're captive in a foreign land in need of God doing something big. A law has been passed that you cannot pray uh, to any God, to any being, to any deity other than the king of that land. And the Bible says this. Listen to the words. Daniel 6.10 Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. The only hope, the only help, the only answer he could find was to look toward the God of heaven. Elijah faces the false prophets on Mount Carmel. The very people of God have turned to Baal worship. I mean the very people of God. I wish I could get that picture in our mind. The very people of God. Those that the commandments had been given to. Those that the books of the law had been given to. Those that had been delivered from the land of Egypt and taken to the wonderful land of Canaan. They have turned to Baal worship. And of all things, Baal worship at the leadership of Ahab and Jezebel. And Elijah caused him to come to Mount Carmel to see which God will reveal himself by fire. And with all of the attention on Elijah, one man standing alone, he calls out to the God of heaven. And I want you to understand something, Jehovah God, the great creator God, the God that sits on the throne of heaven, answered Elijah's prayer. And he sent a fire that consumed the sacrifice. And it licked up the water around it. And the people cried because of his prayer, the Lord, he is God. The New Testament church had begun in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and yet it faced the wrath of the Roman Empire. And as it went into that first and second and third generation after Christ, uh, the church needed God. The church age found itself in many perils from imprisonments to stonings to terrible martyrdoms. And so many times they needed God to do something big. I think of the story of how the church in Jerusalem was scattered. And some would say, oh, that fixed them. That scattered the church. But all they did was scatter the people of God like a fire through a prairie. And they took the gospel of Christ in the power of prayer. And the Bible says again and again, as they prayed, the Spirit of God filled them. As they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. It was prayer that took them through those times. Do you need something big? Do you need God to do something big in your life? Do you need God to do something more than average, more than your daily supply? Do you need something in your life that's big? I want to say tonight, it is not a book of, of, of information or theology or, or philosophy that we need. Oh, but it's a time before God in prayer, asking God to cleanse our minds and our hearts before Him and to show us His will. Oh, how we need to go to God in prayer. Throughout the history of America, we found our freedom threatened, our liberty endangered, our peace taken hostage, and our hope almost gone. From the times the pilgrims sailed to this land in those early 1600s, facing the harsh winters and the difficulties Things unknown and unexpected. The Revolutionary War, the War for Independence, the Civil War, the leadership of President Lincoln, world wars, international wars and conflicts since those wars. We have had our way of life threatened only to find, only to find a hero or a group of heroes People who called on God, people who trusted in God that fought for and brought about deliverance by faith in God. It is interesting to me in American history, the soldiers of one generation were national leaders of the next generation. Uh, 31 presidents, I believe, served uh, in the military. Some actually served on the battlefield uh, and became leaders of our nation. It's interesting to read of their faith in God. It's interesting to read uh, their prayers. It's interesting chaplains of war uh, were often, they often become pastors, became pastors in peacetime. Uh, it was interesting to me just because it's close by. Uh, President Eisenhower, uh, one uh, a, a pastor who had served as his chaplain, was trained at Asbury College uh, in a day of, of, of prayer and faith and fire. It's interesting, and you won't find one, uh, you won't find one that would give credit to a rock or a tree. No matter what image it's carved into or a false god, 
but they gave thanks to the God of heaven. Hey, it's not mysterious. He is not some higher power. He is the God of heaven. He's the creator of the universe. He's the giver of his son for the entire world. Let's not wonder or put question as to who he is. He's the one that we need to call on to God in prayer. I think we all understand tonight that America is in trouble. America is in major trouble from the sins and vice that we have come to promote. There is a lawsuit that just began. An employee of the Jacksonville Jaguars who had access to a company credit card has spent more than $20 million on gambling on a site called FanDuel. The NFL team has now filed suit against FanDuel asking them to give that $20 million back to them. You can guess what FanDuel said. Do a search on how gambling is blessing our nation. It'll be a short search. Do a search on the complications and the problems that gambling... We need to call on God. It's not more money, it's more God that we need. The woke crowd that denies the facts of history. You understand the woke crowd's not trying to hide the mistakes we've made in American history. They're not trying to cover up for slavery. They're attempting to bury God and our faith in Him and reject His word and His commands and His instruction. That's what that crowd is intending to do. A reprobate crowd that's turned its back on uh, not only on God, but they've turned their back on basic science and biology. You believe someone would actually interview a person who would say, well, we believe that men can give birth. And all the ladies said, I sure wish he could. We have actually have folks that have that conversation. Statistics tell us that we're now losing right at 150 people a day to overdose drug deaths. That's an airplane full of people. I mentioned this last week. Can you imagine if an airplane crashed every day, one a day in America, and 150 people were killed? You know how long the airline industry would last? I mean, just to see the problems of the airplanes when they do have physical or mechanical problems, boy, I'm telling you, they get on that, and yet we're losing 150 people a day to drug overdose, and we understand exactly what the largest part of that is connected to. It's connected to the fentanyl that's coming from other countries, and they're lacing the drugs, and 150 people a day. Hey, folks, we're in trouble when that's happening in our nation. Not only are our American borders open, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas said in the last three years, 9.6 million illegals have come into our nation. I read some of the budget item reports and the multiplied millions now into the billions of dollars we're giving to illegal immigrants. I know children and families that have suffered in the cold in this state in this very winter. In this very winter, 
What do we do when we need God to do something big? It's time for America to pray. It's time for us to let our burdens go beyond ourselves. It's time for us to let our needs and go beyond uh, our own families and our own church. We must be burdened for our state. We must be burdened for our nation. You say, but preacher, there's nothing I can do. I have so very little. Oh, but the, uh, uh, but the fervent prayer of a righteous man, it availeth much. And I pray that tonight God will give us some teenage young men and young ladies as well as adults to say, I'm going to take the word of God at face value and I'm going to become a person a righteous person a fervent prayer for my nation tonight there are many decisions that are being made right now that will affect our nation in the near future that may protect it or allow it to be destroyed it is so important that we pray and that we call on God to pray it's interesting I've been asked this past week what exactly do we pray for? And I, I, I referred them to uh, Psalm 78. The Bible said that the children of Israel were supposed to tell their children of the greatness of God. And Psalm 78, 7, that they might set their hope in God. Now, it doesn't say faith. and doesn't say faith for a reason. We're supposed to have faith in God. The Bible says plainly, have faith in God. We're supposed to. What does it mean to have hope in God? That means when you're in trouble and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, you don't know what to ask for, we just said, oh God, help, we need your help. And that's where we are in our nation tonight. That's where we are in the need for revival in our churches tonight. We need to call on the God of heaven, a God that can answer our prayer. I don't know what the answer is, but he does, and he is the answer. On Wednesday this past week, the Kentucky State House of Representatives passed House Bill 96 by a vote of 79 to 17. It is a bill that would require a moment of silence in our schools. Now I'm going to give a quote by Dan Fister, and I'm not saying anything negative about him, but, but, but I want to give you the quote and I want you to think with me. We do not want the schools to mandate that they have to pray or that they can't pray or what have you. Let it be a personal thing and let the family, the parents instruct them in that direction. He said, let's let the family instruct them. Well, why in the world are they talking about gender identity? They can't teach them to pray, but they can't confuse them about sexual orientation. They, they, they can't, they want to be careful. Oh, let's not offend anybody. Let's not say prayer. That's okay if our coach uses God's name, but he has to use it in vain. He can't use it to praise him. That might offend somebody. Listen to me now. They can talk. He, he, here's a couple of prayers. We can just go back in history and say, here's a prayer of Abraham Lincoln. We pray for God's guidance through the storm of conflict, for his wisdom in the search for peace. <coughs> for his mercy and forgiveness toward all men, friend and foe. They can talk, they can talk about Margaret Sanger. Why not talk about Abraham Lincoln? They, they can talk about those that introduced abortion. 
They, they can talk about that. Oh, let's be careful about prayer. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to be critical, but America doesn't need a moment of silence. We've had a decade of silence. What we need is a nation that would fall on their knees and pray. Abraham Lincoln prayed not in private, but in public. That's how we have these words. Almighty God, who has given us this good land for our heritage, we humbly beseech thee that we may always prove ourselves a people mindful of thy favor and glad to do thy will. Bless our land with honorable ministry, sound learning, and pure manners. Save us from violence, discord, and confusion, from pride and arrogance, and from every evil way. Defend our liberties and fashion into one united people the multitude brought hither out of many kindreds and kindreds and tongues. Endow with thy spirit of wisdom those whom in thy name we entrust the authority of government, that they may be justice and peace, that there may be justice and peace at home, and that through obedience to thy law we may show forth thy praise among the nations of the earth in times of prosperity. Fill our hearts with thankfulness, and in the day of trouble, uh, suffer not our trust in thee to fail, of which we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You see, the woke crowd, they're not trying to cover history because, oh, we've got some dark days. We just we need to forget that. That's what they want us to forget. I, I believe this with all my heart. If we made America read American history, we'd have a revolution. If we made Christians read the Bible, we'd have revival in America. could stand a good dose of both of those. Franklin Roosevelt prayed on national radio on D-Day. But not only did he pray, he sent his prayer out to every American so they could pray along with him when he prayed. Folks, that's not forever ago in our history. We speak English tonight because of the leadership of these men and their calling on God in prayer. Listen to his words, my fellow Americans. Last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies we're crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization and to set free a, a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed. But we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried. 
by night and by day, without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, Almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Notice these words. Many have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. As we rise to each new day, and again when each day is spent, let words of prayer be on our lips, invoking thy help to our efforts. Give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks, to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travail, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons wheresoever they may be. And, O Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in Thee, faith in our sons and faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events, of temporal matters, of but the fleeting moment, let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogancies. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, almighty God. Amen. That wasn't prayed in church. That was prayed by a president of the United States. We don't need a moment of silence. We don't need a decade of silence. We need God's people to stand up and say, and leaders everywhere, we need to turn to the God of heaven in prayer. These men were not perfect men. Truman did grow up a Baptist, saved and baptized in a Baptist church. He did have bad habits and salty language. In fact, he got mad at his preacher one day when the preacher preached against drinking and dancing. Ah, but it's obvious that of the conviction that he spoke with, he wasn't mad at the preacher. 
He was under conviction of the Holy Spirit. Those words can be found. Truman's declaration of a day of prayer to God after World War II, he did not forget the fact that they prayed. And oh, how interesting it is when he called America to prayer on Sunday, August 19, 1945, when he said, I call upon the people of the United States of all faiths to unite in offering their thanks to God. By the way, when he said all faiths, he was not talking about 14 gods. He was talking about denominations that all believed that Jesus was the Savior and God was the Creator. Our nation was founded on those Ten Commandments and they were in our schools everywhere and our courthouses that said, Thou shalt have no other God before me. They knew who they were praying to. When Dwight D. Eisenhower came to make his inaugural speech in January 1943, and you can watch it, I would encourage you to do so. He didn't have a preacher to pray before he gave his speech. General and President Dwight D. Eisenhower said, I want to lead us in prayer myself. And he led America to pray. Now here's what they want to say. Why are you shoving religion down our throat? America was founded as a Christian nation. That's who we have been. That's who we are. That's our DNA. That's our founding. That's our heritage. That's who we are. If we don't go back to the God of heaven, we're going to lose the freedom that we have in our nation. On July 30, 1956, Eisenhower signed into law that was passed by Congress to add the words of our national motto, In God we trust to our coins and paper currency. America was not founded on the religions of the world, the religions of the heathen that pray to a rock or a stone or a dead God. America was founded on a faith in the almighty God, the creator of the world, the need to call America. We need to call America back to that faith and prayer to the God of heaven. I like what Isaiah said. Isaiah 42, 22. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes. And they are in prison houses. They are for a prey. And then he says this. And none delivereth for a spoil. And none saith restore. I cry tonight. Let's restore the faith of our nation and may it begin with you and I leading in prayer in our homes, around the kitchen table, in the living room setting. Don't let the television rob you of prayer time. Don't let the internet rob you of praying with your family. Teach your children to pray. And so many of these leaders who had faith in God, they did so. And it wasn't because of their education and public education. It was because of a dad and mom that taught them the God of heaven and the God of that book and the creator of the world. He is the God that we pray to. When we need, to do God, when we need God to do something big, we need to pray big. We need to have big faith. Now, I won't take time to preach this, but we need to live with ordinary acts of obedience. If you'll think about this, every time God chose someone to serve that accomplished a great task, they were fulfilling just the daily, ordinary task of obedience. That's why we got to stay faithful to church. That's why we have to stay, stay faithful to our witnessing 
to the unsaved with the gospel. That's why we have to stay faithful in our tithes and offerings to God. When God needed a king, he chose a shepherd boy. When he needed a leader, he chose Gideon, the least of the least. And men that were faithful, they weren't lazy men, they were serving men. I say tonight, we need to call every Christian in America not to a moment of silence. We need to call America back to prayer. Stand with me, if you will. In just a moment, he'll sing the invitation song. I want to ask, if you will, to step outside of what your wants and desires are all of us. There are times that we just want to forget things because they're so big, they're so great, we don't know how to deal with them. At least we can go to God and say, God, my hope is in you, and I pray that you would intervene in our nation. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us tonight to get 